This morning's reading is from the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 23, and going into chapter 3, finishing at verse 6. So it's Mark 2, 23 to 3, verse 6. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everybody, and thank you very much for your warm welcome back to Juliet and me, back off sabbatical. Those of you who visit us here, uh, I'm the vicar here. I've been away for three months, and it's wonderful to be rested. It was a real treat. We were well exhausted, and it was certainly needed. Bit of a shock coming back, I said last week. It's a bit like running alongside a moving train and jumping on. Mercifully, in July and August, the train is slowing down a bit as, as we jump on. Uh, but it's really good to be back, and thank you for your welcome. Uh, a few folks have commented on the fact that I'm wearing my dog collar, which I don't often do. Uh, Ruth is newly ordained. Can we have another round of applause for her? <clears throat> and um, when I was ordained, my vicar made me wear my dog collar for the first few weeks till I wasn't self-conscious about it, till I sort of kind of thought I was wearing it. So that's what I made Adam do two years ago, and we're telling Ruth the same. So Adam and I are wearing ours in sympathy as well. So if you like dog collars, make the most of it. It won't last, but in a couple of weeks we'll fly the flag as it were, then after that we'll be back to normal service will be resumed, where we may or may not. Um, when I am coaching preachers... I coach them to spend as much time shaping the sermon as they spend sort of digging in the scriptures and researching it. What tends to happen is people might spend eight or ten hours digging or researching and only one hour shaping and the sermon has a bit of indigestion. You need roughly as long shaping your material as you spent digging. The problem with this one about the Sabbath is I spent three months on sabbatical kind of reflecting on Sabbath and doing... So we're going to pray for grace from the Lord, for me as I speak, and for you as you listen, that we don't have indigestion, but it's actually really helpful. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bow before you, the Lord of the Sabbath. 
You are the one who's made us, who wants us to be rested inwardly, so we're free to serve you without burning out, but joyfully. You know, we live in this frantic world that has forgotten how to do rest for our souls. Send your spirit on us now, Lord Jesus, and help us. Help me as I preach, help us as we listen. Will you speak to each one of us about how we can become more truly the people you've made us to be, deeply rested inwardly and serving you joyfully outwardly? And as we all have different life circumstances, speak to us about what this will mean for us. And we ask it in your great name. Amen. There is no doubt that we live in a world that is just getting busier and busier and busier. I dug out some old notes on preaching on the Sabbath. 30 years ago, I said we live in a frantic world. That was before I'd ever heard of the internet or had a smartphone or email had been invented, the great blessing of all those things. It's just got faster and faster and faster. All these labor-saving devices, but we don't have more time. Uh, So many ways to rest outwardly, but inwardly, People are more stressed, there's more anxiety, there's more depression, there's less soul rest uh, than ever before. The world runs along faster and faster, productivity, achieving more, doing it in less time with fewer resources. It's a bit like Pharaoh all over again. More bricks and I'm not going to give you the straw. Just gonna... Talking to some of the engineers and with the pressures of Brexit and what happens and their supply chains and the pressure of time. Uh, you will all know in your different working environments how the pressure of achievement and the pressure to demonstrate stuff just crowds in and it's hard to rest inwardly. You can go away on holiday physically, but the emails can still follow you if you don't switch off your phone and the text, and it can be hard to switch off mentally. Uh, The rise in social media is a wonderful thing in some ways. We love our family WhatsApp and they usually abuse me on it quite a lot, but there's pictures, we see what they're up to, that's great. But the fact when people never switch off, the mental health epidemic among our teenagers, the folks who are not even safe in their bedrooms now if they've got their devices switched on, and the world is slowly coming to terms with the fact that we're living in a frantic society and this constant switched-onness is having devastating effects. We're thinking today about the Sabbath. I, I planned two sermons before I went on sabbatical. Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath this week, how we can know God's rest inwardly, and Jesus as Lord of the harvest next week. He has stuff for us to do, and we need to try and get that balance right. Someone a few years ago coined the phrase hurry sickness, that if we're, trying to, if we're switched on too long without resting, We get an inward sickness. Our souls start to shrivel. Our souls are the bitterness that hold us together, that integrate us. Uh, And when they shrivel, we begin to disintegrate. Now, it's not a new phenomenon. Long before the invention of the iPhone or Twitter, back in the sort of three or 400 AD, Augustine said to God, you've made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. Uh, There is a restlessness about the world until we come to get God in his proper place. Loads of good things he gives us, but when they become idols, uh, when they get in the way, inwardly, it's not good for us. 
One doctor said this, we doctors in the treatment of nervous diseases are now constantly compelled to prescribe periods of rest. Some periods are, I think, only Sundays in arrears. We're wired to take a day to rest week by week by week by week. What tends to happen in our society is we overdo it for too long and then almost binge holiday and try and sort of catch up. The trouble is that you can't restore the serotonin levels by binge holidaying. They, they're drip by drip by drip, slow by slow, rhythm by rhythm. We need this regular way of recharging, quite apart from holidays. Before I was ordained, my dad, who was a vicar, told me, Jonathan, make sure you take your days off. You won't feel like them to start with. You're being paid to do what you've done in all your free time. It won't feel like you're working but you will need them. And if you don't get that rhythm from the beginning, it will catch up on you. And I've been good on taking days off and holidays. The trouble with a day off is it can be a day off from church, but not necessarily a day off from everything else that needs to be done. The grass still needs to be cut. The bills still need to be paid. Cars still need attention. You still need to visit the dentist. Or and it's not the same as a Sabbath. And as the world has got busier... The Church of England has realised that if clergy are full on six days and off one day, that is gonna, not going to end well. The world does weekends. Um, I realised that my day off weren't, wasn't always a Sabbath. Eugene Peterson, Eugene Peterson who died recently, uh, the great pastor academic who translated the scriptures into the message version of the Bible, shockingly said, for too many clergy, the day off is a bastard Sabbath. And when I read that, it, I mean, it said it, to make us notice. But ever since I first read that, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, I've realised that we're given six days to do all that needs to be done and then have a proper Sabbath. And I think if I'd been able to do proper Sabbath better, I wouldn't have got so tired or exhausted. Uh, so I'm sorry to the church that I didn't do that better because for too often I was bringing a tired or exhausted me uh, which isn't necessarily a blessing to the church. And the sabbatical has been a wonderful chance to catch up. In many ways, Sabbath's in arrears. I thank God that this diocese does sabbatical rather than study leave. There was nothing that had to be achieved, nothing produced. It was about rest and restoration and recreation. And it has been a tremendous gift, and I'm very, very grateful. Uh, for us, it also came at a change of season. Uh, our first child, Thomas, arrived when we were 28. Uh, I'm now 56, and our last child has just been on, is on gap year. So we, Juliet and I, had some freedom and some space, and uh, we're about to become grandparents as well. So it's a shift in, it's a shift. One more step along the world we go, and all that. It's, it's a shift in life, but it was a chance just to draw breath and think: How do we do Sabbath at this stage of life? Obviously, very different from when we had young families. We tried when we had young families, we tried things like family night. We had a telly in the bedroom. All the kids got into bed with us and we watched Pingu and they ate chocolate, which wasn't a good idea in our bed, if I remember. <laughs> anyway, we tried to do things like that. We can do it differently now that we're a bit older uh, and we no longer have little people at home with us. But it's, if we don't do this regular rhythm, you go from being tired to being fatigued, to being exhausted, to being in danger of burnout. Now, I thank God that I never got to burnout, but I looked over the edge at it, and I've talked with friends who've been burnt out, and it takes time. And I thank God for the gift of sabbatical, and I'm determined that from now on, day off becomes proper Sabbath, and we prepare for it well. Please, in six months' time, ask me how I'm doing. 
it will be easy to revert to, and now it's not just clergy, obviously, you know the pressures of the jobs you're in, the world around. Uh, you know, for those of you who retired, uh, some, someone said to me, it's like you get up with nothing to do and go to bed with only half of it done. There's always, in theory, there's loads. And the danger is that every day blurs into every other. And how do you get the rhythm for you? Sabbath is a gift from God to help us just restore perspective. Juliet and I went to London a few times on sabbatical. Um, great to have maps on our phones, but uh, so every now and then we were a bit puzzled as to which direction we were facing. And, and you find these maps there, and the dot shows you this is where you are. And you think, oh, okay, now I get it, and I know which way I'm facing. And you restore perspective. The Sabbath is a weekly reminder. Think, this is where I am. Let's regroup. Let's get perspective. Let's get God back in his proper perspective. And if we would learn to do that week by week, I think that we would be able to resist the frantic pressure of the world around us that just gets busier and busier and busier. Quite the reverse, we would get better at demonstrating to the world how to, how to live in God's world while our souls thrive rather than shrivel. Too often in the church, we do what everybody else is doing, and then we do all the church stuff as well, and we're getting more frantic than everybody else. And for our world that is learning about the limits and dangers of the internet and social media. The world does mindfulness, which is kind of prayer without God. Surely we can do it better to do prayer with God and demonstrate how to be more fully human. Dallas Willard used to say, if, if the devil can't stop you sinning, he'll try and get you to be so busy that you sort of begin to die inside. And that was certainly my danger. Uh, so let's look at Jesus he has many things to teach us about how we can be rested inwardly. But one of those practices is Sabbath, a day a week, uh, as a gift from God to rest, to be restored, to delight. And before we look at the, what Jesus had to say in this passage, let's go back to the beginning when God created everything uh, and he invented this Sabbath rest, this one in seven rhythm. So Genesis 1 from verse 31. This is after the six days of creation. And don't get hung up about the word day. It's Hebrew for period of time. So first of all, and the order is right anyway. Uh, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. First thing that's described as holy, no space. It's this day in time that is created and described as holy. Uh, the creation stories in the Bible set us up about how God set this world up. And they are so different to the parallel creation stories in other religions from the ancient Near East at the time. Uh, three things particularly strike me. One is that creation is good. In all the others, it's a bit good and a bit bad, trying to explain the world we come in. God created the world good. It's because of our sinfulness that it went bad. But in its essence, it's good. Second thing that's striking is women are given the same dignity as men. Male and female together reflect God's image. They're equal, standing side by side together. In every other creation story, the men are more important. Uh, the third thing that's really different is this rest. 
In all the other creation stories, the God or gods, however they conceive them, create people to be their slaves, to do all their jobs for them. The true God creates us for relationship with him, to enjoy his world with him, with work to do, but we work from rest. The first thing, we're created on the sixth day, on the seventh day, we rest with God and enjoy his world. Then we have the dignity of work to do, but we work from rest. Whereas the way we do it today is we tend to rest from work. We get absolutely exhausted and then we crash out. The idea is the other way around, that we rest. And the Hebrew day, there's evening, you rest, and then there's morning, you work. And to work from that rhythm, the other way around, not to wait till we're burnt out, but to work out of an overflow of rest. God didn't rest because he was exhausted. It's about enjoying his creation with us. And Sabbath is about enjoying God, enjoying his creation, remembering that we're human beings before we're human doings, that we're created for relationship before we're created for achievement. It's both and, but in our being, we're created to enjoy God. Uh, some people get very worked up about the timing of creation, exactly when it was, or about these seven days, these seven periods. Genesis is coming from a different perspective. It's far more focusing on the creation of time rather than the time of creation. It's saying God made it, and he made the world with a rhythm. The sun and an obvious annual rhythm, the moon and an obvious monthly rhythm. Uh, but there's nothing in creation itself that would make an obvious weekly rhythm if God didn't spell it out. But this weekly rhythm of one in seven, and that is the, the miracle of creation. We are created with this one in seven rhythm. And the seventh day is a holy day to restore perspective if we've got out of kilter on the other six. A day for delighting. A day that's different. That's what the word holy literally means, different. Not to be blurred into the other. And in that sense, a Sabbath rhythm is wired into creation in the same sort of way as gravity is wired in. Now, you can try and fight against gravity all you like, but it never ends well. It doesn't end well when you fight against the seven days of creation, when you try to be wired and switched on and keep working all the time. We burn out. Famously, after the French Revolution, uh, they tried to get rid of God and they said, we can be more productive. It's very, very contemporary. We want to increase productivity. So they changed their clocks from the clocks had days of the week on to a 10-day rhythm. They rewired them all, had a 10-day rhythm. You work nine days and rest one. And they had the opposite effect. People burnt out more, the suicide rate went up, productivity decreased, so they reverted. 100 years or so later, uh, when the Model T Ford was being produced, they were under great pressure to get it into production quickly. Does that sound familiar? Any of you engineers out there? And the engineers worked seven days. And uh, Henry Ford famously said, uh, it would have been finished six months earlier if he had forbidden the engineers to work on Sundays. Fatigue set in, and it took a week to straighten out the mistakes they made on the Sunday. We are wired with this one in seven rhythm. And when we don't take the rest we need, not just physically from work, but switching off mentally from it as well, we begin to burn out. We make mistakes. Uh, and I'm as guilty from that as anybody. And it's why it's been so wonderful to have a longer Sabbath time just to recalibrate. We forget this rhythm. The world shouts to us, any day, all days are the same, you can do everything, you can shop any day, you can do internet any day, you can do anything any day. And the holiness, the, is, the distinctiveness is blurred and we forget. So the commands in the Ten Commandments are to remember. We're given the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and the one about the Sabbath from verse 8 says this, 
Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter or male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Why? For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. So the Lord blessed it and made it holy, the Sabbath. Why? We are wired by God in creation for this rhythm. Uh, When Moses led the people out of Egypt and before they went into the Promised Land, he regave the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means the second giving of the law. And in Deuteronomy 5, you get the same thing with a different reason. So Deuteronomy 5 from verse 12, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Same thing, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male nor female servant, nor your ox, donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so your male and female servants may rest as you do. Why? Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So one big reason is creation. The other big reason is salvation. We have been saved, the Jews out of Egypt, us by the Lord Jesus. And so the early church took their day of worship from the Sabbath, Saturday, to Sunday, the day the Lord rose. It became the Lord's day. So we worship God and celebrate the fact that we are redeemed, we're forgiven, uh, we're made for eternity. But we are to remember this one day in seven rhythm, rest, worship, delight. So now let's come to the time of Jesus where there was a lot of controversy about the Sabbath. In that day they had no doubt at all that God wanted them to do Sabbath, but there was a lot of debate about how they did it. In our day there is no idea that you should be doing it. <laughs> it's all days are the same. You sort of do what you like. So we have a different uh, set of circumstances, but there are two principles uh, that Jesus gives that we'll look at. But first of all, the story, Mark 2, 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. You often find Jesus and the disciples just walking on the Sabbath, walking through, chatting, walking, Jesus with his friends, Um, Quite often they're walking for several days at a time. If you look at the white space in the Gospels where they go up to Tyre or to Caesarea Philippi. Often walking, taking time out from the busyness. The Pharisees said, look, why are they doing what is unlawful? They're plucking the grain, that's work. Well, it wasn't for the disciples. Jesus' ministry for their work, they were just snacking. But the Pharisees got very uptight about what was work and what wasn't. Uh, Some bright Pharisee had worked out that there were 39 letters in the commandment about the Sabbath. So they had decided there were 39 categories of work that had to be stopped on the Sabbath. And within each category of 39, there were 39 subways of doing that job. So 1,521 things you mustn't do or you'll break the Sabbath. The idea behind it might have been good. We don't want to break the law, so let's put a fence around the law so no one gets near it. Now, when it comes to cliffs, that's a really good idea. We don't want someone to fall off. Let's put a fence to stop them. But the effect of religion on what was meant to be a gift of God became, it became oppressive. Religion is always trying to earn what God wants to give us freely. Instead of Sabbath being a gift to receive and delight in, it became something oppressive. And so Jesus has a few things to say about it. Um, 
Jesus makes the point that they, well, we'll, we'll come on to that as I, as I make the two points. Uh, Jesus, first of all, gets to the principle behind it. Like when he's talking about the other commandments. It's not just don't murder, it's don't hate people, because that's what leads to murder. It's not just don't commit adultery, it's don't lust after people, because that's what leads to adultery. And here, about the Sabbath, it was let's get back to the point of the Sabbath. So uh, two main points. The Sabbath is made for our good, and Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. First of all, the Sabbath is for our good. This is verse 27 of chapter 2. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was not made for people, but people are made for the Sabbath. It's a gift to us. It's not that the Sabbath is there and we've got to fit in with it, whether we like it or not. It's for our good. The first century Jews needed the second half of that. They hadn't got to fit in with all the rules and regulations of the Pharisees. We particularly need the first half. We've forgotten that God's given the Sabbath as a joy and a delight. And we need to be reminded of that one. It's a rest day. It's for our souls to be rested. We're not to work nor make anybody else work. This is why the church as a whole objected so much to the Sunday trading laws a generation ago. Because when people start trading, they, their employees then have to work and it can work against their family time, time for them to rest. It's making others work as well. The Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and it was to be a delight. Now the Jewish people of old have kept the Sabbath. It's been what, a covenant marker for them. A bit like an engagement ring. So lovely to have Jem and Lydia's engagement. And Lydia is sporting a great rock on her finger. So that's a great delight. We can see it's there as an engagement ring. The Sabbath was like an engagement ring. The Jewish people, they celebrated the Sabbath. It was a distinctive mark for them. Uh, for us, we've been through three engagement rings now. <laughs> the first one got lost uh, when we had lots of little children and tidying up. And it must have been in what got tidied up. Very sad. We replaced that one. The second one a few years ago sadly got stolen. So Julius and I have just celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary with a great holiday uh, out in La Gomera and by replacing the engagement ring. She's had a bit of an upgrade, if you want to watch it, if you want to have a look. So, so she's had an upgrade. So I'm feeling very poor at the moment, but, it, but I'm feeling very rich, obviously, as I have a wife of 30 years who hasn't given up on me yet. So that's, that's very good news. The Sabbath is there as a sign of people take it, that we're about God. He's made us to delight in him, as a just to put the work down. Even if it's not all finished, we put it down. The Sabbath is not a reward for getting it all done, because otherwise we'd never get it. It's a gift in the middle of it to put it down and remember that God is God and the world survived perfectly well without us and it will survive perfectly well without us when we're gone, so let's just put it down. It's a gift for us. Uh, we went, to, I said we went to London a few times. I was encouraged by an older, wiser person to do something different on Good Friday. For 31 years, I've been in church on Good Friday taking services. For the next 12 or so before I retire, I will, and probably after that. They said, why don't you do something different? So Juliet and I went to the Royal Albert Hall for, to listen to Handel's Messiah, which was fantastic every Good Friday. Brilliant. Uh, it was, you may remember, Easter weekend, a lovely, warm weekend. We took the train down to Marylebone. We walked across Hyde Park, 45 minutes across the Royal Albert Hall, and it was so peaceful. It was bank holiday, no lorries, no traffic, a few bikes. London was quiet. Uh, the, tree, the birds were singing. We walked through the park. Families were out, friends. It was restful. Being on a day off 
when the whole world around you is on a day off. It was just wonderful. And I felt the Lord whisper to me, this is a picture of what Sabbath should be. We took a picnic. Uh, we sat with our backs to the tree where, when we got nearly at the Albert Hall, enjoyed the sun and the picnic, enjoyed God's goodness as the Handel's Messiah celebrates creation to when Jesus comes again. Imagine something like that every week. You wouldn't need holidays in the same way. That would be bonus. And it was a picture. Our bank holiday is when our society stops. But God has intended it happens every week as a proper sort of Sabbath. It's that picture of delight. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 58, verse 13. Well, really, it's the Lord saying it through Isaiah. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I'll cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now I have to say, when I was a child, Sunday was not a delight. It was by far the most boring day of the week. Um, My dad was a country vicar, so it was a kind of working day in our family. And Sunday was just a bit busy. And there was nothing to do. (laughs) We'd got it wrong Uh, something in our culture there about not the delight. We tried as our children were younger to make Sunday uh, happy and good. It was a delight to be in larger churches where they loved their church and it was great to do Sunday lunch and invite people in and make a bit of a party of it week in by week out. It's meant to be a day, if the Sabbath or the way you do it is not a delight to you, you're not getting it right. Uh, And we'll talk about how we might get it better. The idea is that it's restful, It's restoring your soul can breathe and catch your breath a bit more. Now, obviously, for most people, still Sunday works really well. It's a day for worship and a day for rest. But there are some people who are very busy in the church for whom Sunday doesn't feel so restful. So maybe Saturday as a Sabbath is a good rest day before the busyness of Sunday. For me, Friday is my Sabbath. I always referred to it as my day off. As I said, the intention from now on is that it's proper Sabbath. It's not just day off from church, it's day off from having to do anything. I don't mind cutting the grass. I really mind having to cut it. <laughs> it's, it's switching off from the internet and unplugging and that sort of thing. It's for our good. We stop work. Work is a blessing. Workaholism is not. When work becomes an idol, more important than God, our souls begin to be destroyed. Now, in the Old Testament, God trains the people of Israel about it, like we train little children. He lays down the rules pretty clearly, uh, as we do for little children. So there are some very clear rules in the Old Testament about what they can and can't do. You don't collect manna on the Sabbath. There won't be any. You collect two days on the Friday. Uh, a farmer's not to plough on a Sabbath, even when the weather's good. Actually, the weather was good every day out there for them, but uh, pretty much, but they're not to plough. Uh, a trader's not to trade. The gates of the city were to be shut to stop trading going. When we get to the New Testament, there's much more freedom. We're not to be slaves to the rules. The Pharisees had elevated the rules so they were a problem. The Sabbath is for our good, but we are to work out the principle of how to do Sabbath in such a way as we are restored and rested and we help others to be. We're not to lay what's right for us on someone else. Uh, for me, because I'm dealing with things of the church and the Bible and the gospel all week, I spend as much time in creation. Let's go for a walk and enjoy creation. Uh, do, maybe do some gardening. If I was a gardener, the last thing I want to do is more gardening on my, 
You do something different. Uh, it's a holy day to do it differently. Uh, so that's the first main point, that the Sabbath is for our good. The second point Jesus makes is in the next verse, chapter 2, verse 28. If we can put that up. Uh, there we go. So the Son of Man, that's how Jesus referred to himself, is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now Jesus is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's Lord of everything. Of course he's Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, and he describes how King David, when he needed food, ate the food that was there only for the priests. Uh, and if David could, as it were, break the rules, then of course Jesus can. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, so we need to come to him to say, how do we do this in our society, in our culture, with my family or my friends or my particular job? How do I do this? Uh, he's poured out his Holy Spirit to help guide us. So people often ask me, well, can I do this or can I do that? I say, you need to be able to, as it were, look the Lord in the face and say, I think this is the best way for me to spend this day. And if you can't do that, it probably isn't. Uh, Jesus is the Lord. He will speak to you. Ask your friends, pray about it. Ask him to guide you and he will show you. So Juliet and I are trying to work out, so what does this look like for us now we're back at work? While we were on a three-month Sabbath, that was marvellous. <laughs> now we're back in reality. How do we do this differently? It's the Lord's Day. In the early, for the early Christians, they had the Sabbath on Saturday where they rested and they worshipped on the Sunday the day the Lord rose again. The Sunday was the Lord's Day, and they were different days. Uh, then when Constantine was converted, the Roman Empire moved to Sunday as a day of worship. The day of rest and the day of worship came together. For many of us, we have to work on Sundays. Uh, so how you take your day of rest and how you take your day of work, uh, you have to work that through uh, for you. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Ask him. Now, I've got a few pointers for you, but just before we do that, let's just pause and ask yourself, how are you doing on this being rested inwardly? You may be brilliant at it, and lots of people in our church are, and you don't need a sermon on the vicar who wasn't from the vicar who wasn't brilliant at it to help you do it better. But all of us have got somewhere to go. Uh, let me give you a, a way of calibrating yourself. You know on your phone or something, you get your, your battery charge thing. Is it 100% or 80% or 60 or 40 or 20 or is it dead? Imagine your soul's restedness is like that. So when you're fully rested and restored, it's like full battery signal. That's sort of 90% plus. You're rested, you've slept well, you've enjoyed friends and family, you've enjoyed good food, you're recharged, you feel full of love for everybody, uh, people are annoying and it doesn't bother you, something goes wrong and you're fine. That's like full charge. Uh, down the other end, you are burnt out, Some, something tiny goes wrong and you snap at everybody, uh, you you're burning out and almost feeling that you can't live any longer. That's the problem. So where are you on that scale? Where's your, where's your, how's your battery level doing? Uh, lots of us have operated around the 50 or 60% mark, and that's fine, we can get going. And we only really concentrate on rest when we get down to about 20%. So we sort of work hard and then try and binge holiday. But as I said earlier, you can't really do that. The resting, restoring, serotonin stuff just is trickle charge. It's slow, slow, slow. Uh, how, how are you doing? We, we could all get better on this. The idea is that every week we recharge, so we're at the sort of 80% plus every week. And then holidays are a bonus. 
the idea is not to get depleted, tired, fatigued, exhausted, almost burning out before we, before we rest. Uh, so I'm preaching to myself about this as well. Uh, I've got a long way to go, but the intention is Sabbath. So how do you do it? Well, there are almost no rules. The only rule is stopping work. There are not 1,521 rules. There are loads of good principles. Uh, John Mark Comer's done loads of sermons on this in Bridgetown Church. We heard him at New Wine a couple of years ago. Really good. Tim Keller's sermons are there. There's some good. I read a brilliant book called Subversive Sabbath. That's one I strongly recommend. It's so subversive in our frantic world. Uh, but there are a few principles, and I'll just group them under four headings for you. The first one is stop. So find a way to actually stop and make this day different, whenever it is. When do you? you might choose to do that on a Saturday evening. This is the start of Sabbath through to Sunday. You might do it Friday night, Saturday. However, the Jews of old, it was always Friday night, Erev Shabbat, the evening of Sabbath through to Saturday. When I lived in Jerusalem for a year, in my year after my maths degree, before I did my theology, uh, I lived and worked in Jerusalem for a bit. It was amazing. On Friday evening, this busyness slowly calmed down as the sun went down. And the place was still. And people walked leisurely and restfully. It was a bit like our experience on Good Friday, going through Hyde Park. And then on Saturday evening, as Sabbath ended, it all picked up again but there was this corporate stillness. You need a line somewhere to stop, to put the work down. I want to commend that you switch off electronically, certainly from work, so it can't get you. Uh, but if lots of other people pester you, just switch off. You may not be able to do it for a whole day, you may just do it for a half day. There's, some, there's no rules about this, there's a, but find a way of stopping. Uh, the Jews would light candles and pray prayers of blessing and thank God that the Sabbath had come. You might want to think back over the last week and just thank God for what was good and thank God that it's over and have a Sabbath, whatever. whatever. Find out stopping. Uh, second thing is resting. But whatever helps you rest and helps you be restored. So you may be a fairly physically active rest. If you're chained to a desk all week, actually taking physical exercise will be really healthy for you. Um, we just love walking with the dog. And we quite often walk the canal because then the dog can only go forwards or backwards. It's not very difficult unless he falls in. But it's, it's, it's restful and then find a pub for lunch afterwards. It's restful. Uh, my son is more introverted, goes for long walks on his, on, him, on his own. More extroverted, find the people to do it with. But what is restful? What restores you? If it's life-giving, do it. If it drains you, don't do it. That's, that's, the, that's the idea. Uh, third thing is the time for God, for worship. So obviously if Sunday's part of your Sabbath, that we do that together. For me on a Friday, it means I make sure I take leisurely time reading the scriptures, journaling, reflecting with the Lord, just making sure it's unhurried and there's a chance for God to say whatever he needs to say. But give the Lord time. And the fourth thing is feasting. This is not a fast day. Cut out the low fat. This is a day for celebrating. You can do the low fat the rest of the week. Uh, enjoy whatever. Enjoy what you like. Uh, good food, good wine, that's a great way to do the Sabbath with people you love, family, friends, however. It's a feast day. It's a day to be restored, to enjoy God's goodness with him. Those sort of things, stopping, resting, worshipping, feasting. There's no rules about it. The rules and commandments in the Bible are the moral things. Do not commit adultery, do not lie, do not steal, do not murder. Those are commands. The relational stuff is all invitational. Abide in me, says Jesus. I'm not going to make you. 
here's Sabbath rest. I'm not going to make you. But it's just the way we're wired. So let's, let's do it. Um, if you've never done this resting and switching off, plan one proper Sabbath. Plan a day where you switch off. Plan people to do it with. Do something you love. See how it goes. Then do another one. Then do another one. Get to the point of doing it weekly. If you can't do a day, do half a day. Start, start somewhere. Uh, go gently with yourself. If you cut out caffeine, you start getting headaches to start with. When I've cut out caffeine, I build down to it slowly over a couple of months. Uh, when you do detox from the frantic pace of the world, all the stuff that's hurting within you will start to come to the surface. So actually on my three-month sabbatical, there were quite a lot of tears. Halfway through, I thought I'd got there. Then there was a new level of tears and God dealing deeper stuff. It's not always comfortable to detox from this, but it's good. And we can get to the point where it's just a delight. Now, I've gone on too long, so I'm going to stop there. Let's put up one more verse and invite the band back, and then we'll pray this in. Jesus, in Matthew's Gospel, before the very same stories about the Sabbath, Jesus gives this invitation. I'd never spotted before that this invitation to rest is followed by the Sabbath stories. It's trouble with the chapter divisions. We don't realize they come together. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's inner rest. That's the thing he's offering. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what we're going to do is come to Jesus now. In a moment, I'll invite you to stand. I'll lead in a prayer. We'll have some stillness. If you'd like someone to pray with you, you can come to the front, left or right. And as we start to sing, someone will pray with you. If this is new to you, if you know you need this rest, then do come. It's a great joy to be prayed for. Have someone pray with you. Um, but you may just want to take the time and reflect uh, you can join in with the songs. You can chat to the Lord while it's going on around you. The idea is let's come to him. So let's stand and we'll pray this in. Lord Jesus, we bow in your presence. You are the Lord of lords and King of kings. You are the Lord of the Sabbath. And we praise you that we are not slaves who have to work seven days a week. We praise you that you've wired us, humans, male and female, in your image with dignity to rest and enjoy you and your creation and those around us. And we confess before you that the frantic pace of the world around has seeped into our souls and we need help, every one of us, even those who are really good at this. So come, Lord Jesus, by your Spirit and minister to us your healing balm, your rest, your refreshing water. And speak to us in the stillness about the next step for us. Release us from rules and Phariseeism. And show us what would be delightful and restoring for us and family, friends, those close to us. Come, Holy Spirit, and minister to us, we pray. Let's just keep still for a minute.